Oh my god, it's the last day of August, y'all. Listening to Oral Lingus with Timber Dalton, intelligent but dirty. I'm Timber Dalton, also known as Leslie Richardson, my real name, that's no secret. Okay, today is Tuesday, August 31st, 2021. Holy shit. I mean, we are like, what, coming up into September, October, November, so we're what, two thirds of the way through this year already? my god and for starters before i get too much further my uh thoughts and prayers do go out to the residents of louisiana mississippi alabama tennessee all the people currently or just recently whacked by uh hurricane ida having been through more than a few storms myself i uh i know it's not a fun process to go through and it's definitely can be life altering depending on where you are in relation to uh, to landfall. So if you can spare a few extra dollars, find a reputable local organization and donate, whether it's to the Cajun Navy, whether it's to local uh, humane societies, whether it's to local uh, charities doing work on the ground, try to avoid donating to some of the big ones like Red Cross and the National SPCA and Humane Society, find the local level agencies doing the work because you know the money is closer to where it's going and it has a better chance of all being used for the people that it's intended to. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's depressing. Sorry. Uh, so how y'all doing? This is my second uh, podcast of the of the new microphone. I've had some good feedback so far from people about it, saying that they like it and they don't hear any really weird hums or anything. I'm still trying to get a hang of the uh, all the settings, so thank you for your patience with that. I appreciate it. Uh, our, our governor got his ass kicked in court the other day. Yay! They said that he can't ban mask mandates in schools. He's appealed it, of course, because he's a douchebag. Because that's just what Ron Death Santis is. Yeah. I I don't like the guy, can you tell? I, I I think it's generally a bad idea invoking policies that can harm and kill school children and teachers and other school uh, employees. So yeah. Just like we banned secondhand smoke in public places is a health hazard. I, I think mass mandates are a good idea. And don't tell me about your freedoms spare me because some of you who are also complaining about your freedoms of course a you're probably not listening to my podcast uh but but the ones that are like my freedoms my freedoms um and are also the ones that that claim you could go take on you know the taliban single-handedly with a rifle and all this shit but but you won't wear a mask over your face hmm. yeah yeah i i really believe that you're uh rambo there bucky yeah good luck with that which brings me to another news item that uh, we are now out of Afghanistan. And let's be honest, we should not have been there in the first place. Once we got bin Laden, we should have 
drawn down. Uh, I am pro-military. I am the daughter of an Air Force veteran. And I do believe that, yes, we do need a strong military. However, let's be honest that Afghanistan was nothing more than a boondoggle for the military industrial complex and Blackwater and all those lovely little Cretans. And we lost a bunch of good people in the process. The Taliban is horrible. They have not shown that they have changed yet. I don't believe them, no. But on the other hand, we can't spend our lives, uh, our country, uh, trying to rule other countries. We just can't do that. This is not a case. I saw somebody say, well, we have, we have military bases in Germany and then we should get out of there. No, we have partnerships with Germany and Japan and all these other places where we have bases. We're not in there running things. We have partnerships. It's a little bit different. You know, we're... We were running Afghanistan and propping up a government that did not succeed. And it sucks. And we need to open our borders. Those of you who are going, we should have stayed in Afghanistan. Oh, but don't bring the Afghanistan registered refugees over here. Yeah, just stick it where the sun doesn't shine, okay? What would Jesus do? Jesus would have said, welcome the refugees. Remember, Jesus was a refugee. So, yeah. Okay, there's my soapbox for the day. Let's get to something else, right? <sighs> Let's talk about books. Holy crap, there is a book out. I need to look this up. I should have done some better prep. I just like literally pulled up my Adobe Audition software and started recording. Um, come on, Chrome, open up. Chrome's like, no, I don't want to. There is a book out there. I haven't read it yet. Um, oh, I guess I could have opened up my Kindle and looked it up, couldn't I? Uh the, uh, actually, let me do that because I don't think I'm going to be able to search it easily on Chrome. Um, it's a mentor, mentor, centaur, um, minotaur, maybe. I don't know. It's a monster fucking book. I haven't read it yet. I've heard good things about it. Um, the cover is interesting. It's not the kind of cover I would associate with the really good kind of reviews I'm seeing uh, come out about it. I'm looking here. I'm looking. I'm looking. I really should have prepared this one a little bit better. Can you tell this is not exactly a professional production? Sorry. Uh, you're going to get me all real and stuff here. I am who I am. Oh, come on. I know I just bought it the other day. It's got to be here somewhere close. Okay, let's just scroll all the way back up to the top. There we go. Okay. Morning's, Morning Glory Milking Farm by C.M. Nescosta, a monster bait romance. And um, like I said, I've heard good things about it, which is why I went ahead and bought it, because, I mean, I'm not going to turn down a monster fucking book that has good, uh, good reviews like that. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing what it turns out to be. Have you read it? Let me know. Drop me an email at uh, timberdalton at gmail.com. That's timber with a Y, T-Y-M-B-E-R. Um, tell me what you think of it before I get into it. The one I just finished actually is uh, probably going to be boring for some of you, but I thought it was pretty good. Once again, I'm fighting with my Kindle here. Sorry. Uh, I just finished. Oh, come on. The Fuck live radio y'all well i mean i'm recording it <sighs> thank you come on uh blue midnight by tess thompson number one in the blue mountain series and i 
got the second one in the series queued up to read too. I liked it. I mean, it was, it was a little predictable in places, but I mean, I've written over 200 books myself. So it's the rare book that can genuinely surprise or shock or plot twist me. Um, Oh, come on. Really? Kindle. Apparently I need to, uh, like reformat my Kindle and start over or something. It's like really fucking slow. Come on. Ah, you bastard. Come on. Load, damn you. Okay. Like I said, live radio. Um, okay. Anyway, there it goes. Ha. Okay. Blue Midnight. Where's the second one? Uh, Blue Moon is the second one. I've got that one queued and ready to read. Um, also, Sylvia Marino Garcia has a new one out. Uh, Velvet Was the Night. I've got that one and Mexican Gothic. Both are lined up to read as well, um, which is actually amazing because I haven't done that much reading lately since the pandemic. And I found out that I'm not alone. This is a problem a lot of people are having. So if you're having this problem, also don't feel bad we got a pandemic going on, you know, it's kind of hard to think of, of ways to keep your brain occupied. So actually I've been on, uh, well, Butrin XL 150 milligrams once a day since two weeks ago, two weeks ago, two weeks, almost two weeks ago. And I have another telehealth appointment with my therapist tomorrow, as a matter of fact, and he's probably going to bump me up to 300 milligrams a day. And I've actually done more writing in the past two weeks than I've done like in the past six months. So yay. I actually, I'm, I'm starting to feel like I can brain again. The executive dysfunction has improved and I, and uh, disclaimer dance. I am not a medical health professional. So don't go to your doctor and say, Hey, Timber's got, da, 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 da. yeah, don't do that. Talk to your, your healthcare professional about what might be right for you if you think you have ADHD. Um, so I, I am hopeful though, that so far I haven't had bad side effects and I'm actually writing. So yay, I'm not having the bad side effect like Stratera and Cymbalta where I couldn't write because it felt like my brain was numb. Um, so we're going to go with that. I've also got uh, get a life, Chloe, Ban- sorry about that. Get a life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert, uh, is in my, uh, soon to be read, list here. I've, I've got a whole, actually I have, cause she's also got take a hint, Danny Brown. And there's another one in that series that I know I have on here too. Um, and I may be saying them out of order. I've got, there's, it's like a trilogy, I believe. And I've got all three of them. Uh, am I really going to risk scrolling back through my Kindle fire though, to see what, uh, the third one is, uh, it's up there somewhere. I'll have to go find it. So that's, what's on my Kindle. Feel free to drop me, um, lines about what's on your Kindle. So anyway, I had a, oh, that was the other thing. Ah, yeah, I actually did have a point of this uh, podcast. So I've had some questions. I solicited questions from my TikTok people. Um, I'm not going to open up TikTok because I need to look at the uh, things here. TikTok has actually been interesting. I'm actually having fun with TikTok, which I wasn't thinking I would, maybe because it's short form and my attention span has not been that great lately. So those of you who don't know, I actually do help run a BDSM club in real life. 
the Tampa Bay Phoenix club. And so real quick, before you even start going, Ooh, you know, we don't allow sex, drugs, or alcohol. We're not a bar. We're not a swingers club. We don't have private rooms. So right there, boom, the three problems that are, are knocked off the list. We are a private membership club. People have to sign up. They have to go through a class, which I'm usually the one teaching it. Um, before they can join where I go over all the rules and I go through a BDSM 101 safety course. And I don't care if somebody has been in the lifestyle for five minutes or five decades, they go through the class. That way they know that when they get into the club, that there's much, much fewer chances of there being any accidental issues because, you know, what few issues we do have and, and they're rare indeed, usually boil down to some sort of a miscommunication. Um, and if you're familiar with the Woodshed Orlando over in, in Orlando, duh, sorry, uh, <laughs> that's run by Master Cecil and Darcy and Penguin, um, it, we have very similar rules to them. We're located in an industrial complex, so there's no issues with uh, zoning. Uh, plus, the rent's more affordable that way. And it's been in the location that it's been in for over 10 years now. So uh, I solicited some, uh, I said, you know, ask me some questions, um, you know, what we do. So how do people find a club? is one of the questions that was submitted. So finding a club, it depends on where you're at because some places are more amenable to clubs than others. Sometimes you're not going to find a club. It's actually going to be private parties held either at a person's house or maybe there's a, a, maybe they rotate on a different schedule, you know, there, but the best thing to do is to look for munch groups in your area. I mean, well, you can try Googling, you know, BDSM club in my area or alternative lifestyle clubs in my area. Uh, be careful though, when you're Googling, because if you look for like, you know, swingers clubs, you're going to find swingers clubs and they allow sex. I mean, that's kind of the whole thing. Um, now some BDSM clubs, depending on where they're located, do allow sex. Uh, we don't because of where we're located. It's a, it's a whole zoning issue and things. Uh, the Woodshed Orlando does not allow sex either. So there's that. Um, but we have found out running the Tampa Bay Phoenix Club that most of our BDSM folks don't mind not being able to do sex because it's not the sex that they're after. It's a place where they can spank their partner, tie their partner up, do, you know, whatever the kind of play is that they're into uh, without, you know, scaring their vanilla family members. Or if they've got, you know, kids, they obviously can't do that kind of play at home. Um, maybe they don't have a suspension hard point at home and they want to do rope suspensions, things like that. Uh, so start off by Googling first, you know, BDSM clubs, in wherever your particular location is. That might right there help you. Um, you can also look for munch groups, M-U-N-C-H, which is, they're usually held a lot of times, <clears throat> excuse me, at a restaurant, um, sometimes at a private residence or sometimes at a facility wherever they do their, their activities at. And it's usually a non-play event for the most part. Um, I mean, not always. Some places might have play munches, but the ones that I'm familiar with have been non-play events, and they've usually been held either at a club, like we hold one once a month at the club, or at a restaurant of some sort. Uh, I know one group uh, during the pandemic has been actually holding them at a picnic pavilion on a beach, and it's a chance for you to get together in a, a vanilla, low-stress um, safe environment to meet other people locally who are in the lifestyle. And at that point, if there aren't any active, uh, clubs in your area, 
it gives you a chance to meet people. And I mean, chances are, if you go, Hey, where are the private parties at? They're not going to just give you a map. They're going to say, well, you need to come to certain events first and get vetted because obviously if somebody's having these at their house, they don't want people just walking in. And years ago, years and years and years ago, and still in some places, you actually had to be vetted to be invited to private parties as a safety issue. Somebody had to know you or you had to come to enough events of like munches and classes and things like that to be, you know, become known to the people who run those events before they would consider, um, you know, inviting you to one. So our club, we make people come to a class before they're allowed to come to a play event, the, the new member orientation class. And, uh, the reason why we do that, we used to allow, before the pandemic, we used to allow people to walk in off the street, sign up. We'd go through a real quick orient, like a 15 minute orientation with them and then just turn them loose in the club. And it's not that we had a lot of problems with that, but it was not that uncommon for people like to come once and then leave and never come back. Cause then they realized, well, they were actually looking for a sex club or a swingers club. And once they were in the door, they didn't feel like they could just turn around and leave, which is silly because we're all about consent and for whatever reason they thought, you know, cause we don't just let people walk in and look around. We actually have a video tour on our website at Tampa Bay Phoenix club.com, um, where you can look around and see what our facility looks like. So, you know, it's, it's a privacy issue cause you need to be a member unless it's, we let people come in for a, you know, like we have a bunch that's again, once a month that we allow members and non-members into, you have to be at least 18 years of age or older. Um, some of our classes are open to non-members that, you know, beyond our, our basic or new member class. So when we have events like that, you know, that gives you a chance. You, you, you're not, we're not just going to let you stick your head in the door and it's not a peep show. Okay. And for starters, nobody's having sex anyway. So you're not going to see like naked people dancing on tables. Um, yeah. So there's, that. I mean, we're an actual business. We pay sales tax. We have, you know, liability insurance. We have, you know, we all, all the legal stuff that you have to have to, to be a business. We do. Um, and we're usually fine when you see news, uh, news reports about people, especially here in Florida, but you know, 50 shades of great sex dungeon shut down. Da, da, da. Usually what it is, is the people get nailed on a bottle club violation, running illegal bottle club. And how that happens is they mix alcohol with money changing hands. Because, I mean, if you have a bunch of people over to your house, as long as you're, you know, not breaking uh, noise or parking zoning ordinances or your, if you have an HOA, HOA rules, which is another way that people get private events shut down is by doing stupid stuff like letting people, you know, spank each other in the backyard where the neighbors can hear. Um so a lot of times they'll like say, oh, well, we have a, you know, you have to give us a, a donation when you come in, but then they've got somebody, you know, they allow alcohol in somebody's porn drink. So then the authorities, you know, chalk it up as an illegal bottle club and shut them down. Right. Um, so that's one way that people screw up by doing it and by not, you know, properly vetting people before they allow them in. And then, you know, somebody causes trouble and it somebody calls the cops and then, you know, all hell breaks loose. Let's see. So how do you decide who can come to your club is another question. That's a good question. Uh, anybody who is 18 years of age or older and who is not a registered sex offender or, you know, under indictment or under investigation for a, a sexual crime or certain other crimes, like, you know, violent crimes, things like that. Uh, when people sign up, they have to present their photo ID and uh, legal 
government issued photo ID, not just like a little picture saying, hey, this is me. And we run everybody through the US DOJ database of registered sex offenders to make sure that they're not the bad kind of creepy person. So, uh, and, and then they, you know, they have to go through the class. Um, so our theory is, and I, let me swirl, sorry. Uh, I, as I started to say about, about we have this class, we used to let people just join. Um, so now we feel that if people have taken the time to research what we are and go through our website, we have an FAQ on our website, information, what we do, what we don't allow. So they need to do a little reading. They have to adult, you know, just the adulting thing, do a little research. They've paid their fee um, for what it taken the class uh, and they've actually showed up to class. They have to go through the whole class. They can't just leave halfway through. And I'm since I'm a sadist, I wait to do the actual rules of our club towards the end of the class. So I they can't just like leave at the break because, oh, I did the rules and now they can leave. No, they have to stay for the whole class. It's a three-hour class. And most of the time, I'm actually running a little bit over time depending on how many questions I get. Um, so beyond that, as long as they're at least 18 years of age or older... And they can get to the club. They can join the club. They have to obey our rules. And right now we're doing um, we're doing some vaccinated only events because here in Florida our infection rates have been rising because of our fucking governor not uh, doing the smart thing and enacting mask mandates. So we are requiring we're a private membership club, so we can require masks. In fact, masks are part of our dress code. So, uh, but we are also a private membership club. We're not a public business. Um, and the reason why we do this as a private membership club is, is, it's a safety issue because we screen everybody. If you go to like a fetish night held at a bar or something, they're not screening everybody to make sure that they're not on the sex offender list. Um, you know, maybe they're not supposed to be there, but how do you know? Because the bouncer is just looking at IDs to make sure it's a legit idea that they're of legal age for whatever the event is, whether it's 18 or 21. If you go to like a fetish convention held at a hotel, you know, again, as long as they've got a convention badge, which means they're either like 18 or 21 years old, then they can get in. There's no screening whatsoever. So by requiring them to take the class, you know, I know that they they mean it by being there. And the price of the class is, is one year of membership, which right now we're charging $40 a year. And then when they come to events, they have to pay, you know, whatever the event ticket is. It's, you know, usually $20 a person. Um so who can come to our club is basically that's it. Uh, we don't uh, do any gender-based pricing. Some places do that. I don't believe that that's a wise business move for us or you know anybody. I, I don't because you start getting in discrimination because I've actually seen that um, wielded against trans folks where you know somebody who's a who's um, a trans woman is charged the price for a meal ticket, which to me, that is wrong on a number of levels because you shouldn't be pricing by parts. <laughs> you know, um, I've seen some places that'll like charge more for single people and less for couples, which I, I get it. That's very common in swinger, uh, groups or swinger events. Um, I get it. That's not my thing. I think if you're going to charge a price, charge everybody the same price done. Um, so, and, and we can also require vaccinations for certain events. We, you know, hold some events. If you have not presented your 
COVID vaccination card to us and you're not getting it because we've had an overwhelming request from our membership for vaccinated only events. So we're going to do that. That's no different than requiring an age ID to make sure, you know, photo ID to make sure somebody is of legal age. Or if we have a femdom event, we only allow people who identify as femdom or non-binary who are more comfortable topping in a, a femdom night to be tops that night. There's nothing discriminatory about that. Um, you know, it's just, it's for a specific, uh, demographic, you know? So yeah, that's the, the very long version of how to answer the question. Another question. Do you ever run into trouble with law enforcement? No, because we don't allow sex, drugs, or alcohol. And we mean it. We absolutely mean it. We were very strict about that. And I know in the past, before we switched to this system that we have now, um, where people could walk in and join that night, I, I know we had undercover cops come in. They sit there and they see that we're not doing anything wrong and they leave, <laughs> you know? Um, and if somebody, if, if I, I mean, we have it specifically in our um, uh, waiver forms that you have to sign that you're not law enforcement. So, I mean, if somebody undercover comes in and signs up for a class or everything, they're going to sit through our class and they're going to have to come to events and see that, yeah, no, we're not doing anything because there's nothing that says you can't spank somebody or tie them up if, if they want you to. Um, I mean, yes, some jurisdictions do have rules that says you can't agree to be you know, assaulted or have battery done upon your person, but that's nobody is going to sit there and complain that consenting adults are sitting around at tables watching people tie each other up or watching people spank each other, you know, and um, the other thing about the reason why we don't allow sex in, in our particular venue is, um, again, the people who practice BDSM tend to, uh, you know, they can do sex anywhere. It's the other stuff they can't do necessarily safely anywhere else. But um, our BDSM folks are, you know, actually uncomfortable if sex gets mixed into it because, you know, some people are kinky and swingers. You know, there is a heavy crossover. But when you put kinksters in swinger uh, events where they're predominantly swinger events and they're not necessarily predominantly kinksters. They don't understand protocols like what we have, what might be an acceptable protocol at a swinger event is not an acceptable protocol at a kinky event. I mean, yes, obviously they, you know, have a consent like we do, but they're, you know, they're all, you know, more friendly and talking to each other and everything. And in BDSM, if you go to a club and say, for example, you go to talk to somebody and they, don't talk to you. They like withdraw everything. And you might think, well, why are they being a, you know, what, what, what the fuck is that? The thing is they might not be allowed to talk to you. They might be under high protocols with their dominant and their dominant has said they're only allowed to talk to certain people that they have permission to, and you don't have permission to talk to them and they know this. So they're not going to even respond to you. And if you don't know that that's a protocol, if you're a swinger who has not been through a new member orientation class and told specifically, Hey, this is not okay to do it like that. That's not how you approach somebody. They're going to get butt hurt and you know, but what the fuck's going on and not understand that no, that's just their protocol because kinksters understand if they go to approach somebody and they go, hi, how you doing? And the person doesn't talk that. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Not a problem. And they back off because they realize immediately this person's under high protocols. This person isn't allowed to talk to me. If I want to talk to this person, I need to find who their dominant is and get permission to talk to them. Um, you know, and it's that easy. Like, you know, at a swinger event, people might like, Hey, I'm going to sit down and talk to you. And, and in the BDSM event, you don't do that. You, you know, 
may I sit down? I mean, you even if you're dominant, you ask permission because we are extremely, extremely aware of, of uh, consent and whether or not somebody has, you know, now there are plenty of people, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying everybody has high protocols like that. Uh, I don't, I mean, when it comes to most stuff, I don't do hugs or handshakes unless it's somebody that I know well. Um, and that's just me. That was even me before COVID. Um, but some people do in, in BDSM, you always assume somebody has a high protocol unless you know that they don't. And that's not the norm in swingers, right? Amongst swinger events. So, you know, there's, and I don't even remember where I was going with that dude or with law enforcement. That was the question. So, yeah. So, um, uh, not having sex at our event. So a, it, it eliminates a problem with legal issues. It'll, it's a, you know, a safety issue. There's far fewer chances of a consent violation happening. I mean, though, yes, minor consent violations can still happen, but somebody's not going to get raped because we don't allow sex, you know, and we're not kinky native. We can't protect people outside of the club. We only do what we do, you know, obviously within the confines of our, our club. Um, we don't allow alcohol and we're very strict about that. I mean, I, in the time that I've been helping run the club, I think we've banned three people for trying to sneak alcohol in. Um, so yeah, and we're, we're extremely strict about that. And one of those people was actually ratted out by another member who saw them doing it because they don't, don't I mean, cause obviously everybody has a vested interest. We're the, the only club like this in the area. So everybody has a vested interest in making sure that people abide by the fucking rules, you know, and uh, they don't want to be the asshole that does something to, gets the club shut down because then there's no more club. Uh, so that would not be fun. Um, in, in our club, everybody who is a volunteer is actually a member as well. Now our current owner, um, Myra, she purchased the club at the end of 2014 and we were members and we were already friends at that time. And she asked me and several others to, to come aboard and help run the club. And, and a couple of those volunteers are no longer active in the club anymore, um, for life reasons and stuff. I mean, nothing nefarious or anything. Um, and you know, other volunteers have come in. So we all, you know, we're, we don't get paid. Uh, everything that we make keeps the lights on and the doors open. So memberships, renewals, class fees, event ticket fees, all that pays, you know, the electricity, the rent, the insurance, the, you know, all that good stuff. Um, so that's how we run our club. Now we're not an, uh, we're an LLC. We're not a, uh, we're not a nonprofit. Um, that was something we'd actually kind of discussed a little bit before then COVID hit. And so we haven't done anything else about that yet. Um, so that's it. And we, and people will ask me a lot, Hey, uh, you know, I, I, I'm new. I don't know what I'm doing. Can I just come and watch? Absolutely. And I think I'm, I'm safe speaking for the woodshed as well, because again, they're very, similar to how we run that you, you absolutely, you never have to do anything when you get there, except obey the rules. That's, and be polite, period. That's it. Uh, obey the rules and be polite. Well, and, and being polite is part of the rules. So be courteous. Um, you are never required to participate at all, uh, in an event. And if you ever go to an event where they say that you are expected to participate, that's a honking red flag. It really is. So yes, it's absolutely safe to just come and sit and talk. And I always tell people, um, you know, especially you know, the, the new people who are, who are not just new to the club, but new to the lifestyle in general. Um, I always tell people, look, when you come in, 
remind me that, hey, I'm new, I'm nervous, can you introduce me to people? And I will sit you down either with other volunteers or with regular members who've been there for a while, or maybe even other members who might be new, but who might have been there a couple other times who are willing to, to bring you under their wing to, to sit and talk with you. You know, I try to, you know, I'm, now I'm not, we don't provide play partners. That's not saying that if you show up, you're going to play. I always tell people, unless you brought somebody to play with, assume you're not going to play. You know, every once in a while, yes, because it, it was a little bit easier, obviously, before COVID. But now with COVID, just, you know, but if you don't come out to events, it's harder to meet people in person because now people, for obvious reasons, want to meet somebody in person and not just negotiate something online and then meet at the club. So you're better off going to events, even if you're not going to play. Then you can learn, you can watch, you can ask questions, you can meet people. And it might not be that you meet somebody at the club to play with, but they might know somebody and they go, hey, you know what? My friend so-and-so has been talking about playing. Let me introduce you to them. And that might be the connection where you find somebody to play with. But if you don't come to any events or if you only just come to like one event and then, oh, well, I didn't play, so I'm not coming back, you know. So what can you expect from a BDSM club? Which is another great question that I've been asked a lot. And it depends on that. I can't ever say that, yes, you're going to absolutely see X, Y, and Z. Unless, of course, we have a uh, a, uh, a demonstration or a class. And obviously, I will know that. But for the most part, I cannot guarantee what you're going to see. One thing you're going to see is a bunch of people sitting around talking <laughs> because it's very, I warn people, it's both the simultaneously the weirdest thing and the most mundane thing you will ever do. Because a lot of these people, they're friends, but the only time they really get to associate in a kiki way is when they see each other at the club where they can actually sit and talk and not have to worry about the waitress overhearing or, you know, the kids in the booth next door, you know, hey, mommy, what's BDSM? You know, we, nobody ever wants to do that. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes people will just sit and talk all night. That's not uncommon. Yeah, you know, they might not play. Uh I haven't played at the club in a long time, actually. I help run the place. I've, I've, we've played at home more often, the Viking and I, um, than we have at the club. Because usually we're too busy running the club. So what will you see? Uh, it, it can be anything. You might see sensual scenes like, you know, wax play or knife play. Um, you might see, or, you know, pressure points, things like that. You might see medical play. You might see rope bondage. Uh, you might see uh, impact play scenes. You might see electrical play. I, I can never guarantee what kind of a scene you're going to see. And, you know, I, it's not that I am trying to hedge my answer. I just honestly can't tell you because every night can be different. We might. And but I do tell people, if you're new, show up as soon as you can at the at opening time and stay all night. Because if you wait until an hour before closing to show up, chances are you're not going to see much because a lot of people will play early and then they might leave, you know, because now they want, that was their foreplay and they want to go home and have sex. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, so whenever the, you know, don't wait till the middle of the night to show up, you know, be there at opening so you can meet it, the maximum amount of people. Um, another question that, that gets asked a lot is what do I wear to a BDSM club? So I can speak for the Phoenix club is closed. Yeah. Uh, I'm a smart ass. 
Um, we require that people arrive dressed street legally, which means your respective pink bits are covered by, you know, if you're walking down the street or going into Publix or whatever, you're not going to get arrested for indecent exposure. So some people will arrive just in regular street clothes and then change when they get here. Some people will arrive in full fetish gear, latex, leather, whatever, and then, you know, change clothes before they leave. Um, you know, it depends. Sometimes we have theme nights, like we've got a Halloween party coming up at the end of October. And while we encourage costumes, we do not require them. We never require um, people dressed to our theme. Um, we've got people that show up in jeans. We have people that show up in shorts. We have people that show up, you know, in like, you know, um, you know, dressy, but not, you know, formal kind of like cocktail dresses, whatever. So we have everything, whatever you feel comfortable in. We have some people that will change the pajamas when they get done scening. And then, uh, so again, there's, there's a wide range of what is worn. Now, some events that you go to in other venues or private events, they do have dress codes. And what you need to do is if you're going to something like that and you've never been before, you need to ask them if they have a dress code. Because sometimes they'll require like men have to be in jeans or wear black or women have to at least be in, you know, whatever. Um, so definitely check that out. Right. But it our, in our case, we don't have any particular requirements at our club. And I believe the woodsheds don't don't quote me on this, but I believe the woodshed has a similar rule that you have to be dressed street legal and then you can change. Now, inside the club, once you're inside the club for a play event, most play events, we do allow full nudity in the play spaces. We have two play spaces. We have an office and the doors branch off to either one. Um, one we call the dungeon. It was the original side. And then when we opened the second side next door, we call that one the manor. Um, now to go from one side to the other, you have to be street legal going through the office. At the very least, you have to have like a blanket or something wrapped around you or a robe or something. Um, but you can be nude in either play space. Now, if you are nude or if you're wearing like, you know, a really short skirt and a thong, you have to wear, have uh, something between your ass and the seat because ew, you know, we don't want to catch your cock or cooter cooties, especially now in the era of COVID. Ah, but try saying that COVID cock or cooter cooties. Ha! Ah did it i think didn't i okay uh sorry i need more caffeine i really do uh so that's the rules that we have at our club um let's see uh da, 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 did that one um yeah so if you have any other questions about what it's like running a bdsm club feel free to ask a lot of my time most of my time actually running the club is spent on paperwork spreadsheets compiling reports uh answering emails doing the website things like that uh, the club obviously we're volunteers we have to do things like you know vacuum sweep and mop floors clean toilets you know stuff like that that's you know, everybody thinks it's great running a BDSM club until 1 a.m. You're in the only bathroom trying to repair the toilet with a paper clip because the, the flush arm, you know, snapped, which happened to me one night. Now we have two bathrooms, fortunately, instead of just the one because we have the second side. But that was fun. You know, middle of the night toilet repairs. Uh, <laughs> if you read my Suncoast Society books, writing is Timber Dalton, um, you can... Um, get a, an idea of the club venture i write it that's basically the the phoenix club it honestly is that's pretty much they have, they have bigger bathrooms and more bathrooms than we do but other than that for the most part that's the phoenix club because that's what i based it on so yeah oh i never did my intro tag did i this is Oralingus with timber dalton intelligent but dirty yeah there we go okay uh <laughs> you can tell i'm out of practice doing this right yeah, it's been a while. So anyway, 
so yeah, so running a BDSM club, it's fun. It, it's a lot of work. It's a labor of love. You know, again, I was a member first, so I, I have a vested interest in helping it stay going, you know, uh, to stay running. And um, it, now my bestie, Trish, uh, her and her husband, the rat bastards, moved back to uh, South Dakota, which I, I joke about that. I'm joking. I love Trish. She knows I love you. Hi, bestie. Um, they moved back to South Dakota to be closer to family. So, you know, I, I don't blame them, obviously. But anyway, they opened a club up there, Dragon's, Dragon's Tail ALC, Alternative Lifestyle Community. Um, and so they run with pretty much the same rules that we've got. Um, I think they have to have nipples. I think I don't think they can allow full nudity there is because of where they're at though. But basically, it's it's the same principle. And they do a lot of classes and stuff, um, and it's out of uh, Sioux Falls. So yeah, so if you're up in that area, you can always check their club out. There's a club in Atlanta, which the name of it is escaping me right now. There's a place based down in uh, the Fort Lauderdale area here in Florida. I believe there's one up in Tennessee. Um, there used to be one in Dallas, but I'm not sure if it's there anymore. Um, you just, you're going to have to look around. There's probably a lot of private events in your area, but again, if you don't go to events and people don't get to know you, you can't just walk in and show up. You know, there's this big fantasy that some people, um, build up in their head about you because they read all the books and, you know, a lot of those books, unfortunately are written by vanilla writers who've never set foot in a BDSM club. So they don't know what it real one's like. So they have this, you know, they have this idea that it's going to be this old plushly appointed, you know, velvet couches and all this, you know, stuff. And they show up and it's a warehouse and they're like, what, is this the right place? Yeah, it is because the rent's cheap, you know, or cheaper. Or, and or the zoning there's you know no churches no schools no residences around it so you know because you got to be careful about that um oh yeah doubling back to another uh you know question about the about have we been in trouble with law enforcement so in florida uh depending on where you're at there's a there's a two-door requirement between naked people and the outside but also a lot of places have ordinances that you can't mix boobies and booze and bdsmers would much rather have boobies than booze because that's again another safety issue um, and in some places, depending where you're at, you actually have to have a hotelier's license to allow sex. And again, that's a whole other licensing thing. So not allowing alcohol, not allowing sex, obviously not allowing drugs. Uh, it's just, a, it's good business practice for us. It's a safety issue. It's a liability issue. Um, it's a health issue. It's an ordinance issue. It's an, also an insurance issue. Um, cause I can imagine if we were an established like that, we would probably be paying much more in insurance. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, and, and if you want to start your own BDSM club, uh, don't. <laughs> uh, let me let me put the caveat until you have done a metric fuck ton of research and visited several and talked to an attorney and talked to you know uh, zoning officials in your county because like in Florida, there's not any public clubs in Polk County because of Sheriff Grady Judd, for starters. He is very hardcore anti. Now, I give him all kudos for going after the child sex predators. Yay. I mean, good for him. But there are a couple of private groups in Polk County that like do munches and stuff, but they keep everything very much on the down low in a way that we don't have to in Hillsborough County and Pinellas County or even up in, in Orlando that they don't um, because they don't want to draw any attention to law enforcement. So it depends on where you're at. If you're in a very hardcore conservative area, 
Um, you might not be able to, you might be able to do like social groups and then start slowly vetting people. And then whoever's got a big enough garage that you can turn into a little private club that may live out in the country or something or have a barn that you can borrow, uh, you know, you might be able to get away with having events, but you're not going to just, you're seriously, you're not just going to rent a space and then open up a BDSM club. You're, you're not, um, you're, that's the fastest way to get yourself shut down. You have to do the research. I know that, you know, it, and I fielded questions from people before asking information about it. And I always tell them, go talk to an attorney before you do anything, go talk to an attorney. And they don't usually like hearing that answer. They want me to give them the ABCs and one, two, threes of how it's easy to run a club. And I'm going to tell them, no, you need LLC to, for liability or, or a, Okay. Disclaimer, I'm not an attorney. I am not a uh, accountant, but um, our owner has uh, formed an LLC for our business, but you can't just like do it yourself because what happens if somebody gets hurt on your property? You know, and what if you're charging a quote unquote donation for people to come in and then, you know, the person tries to sue you for damages and your insurance goes, wait a minute, you were collecting money for this. This is a commercial venture. This is not covered under your homeowner's policy. And then you lose your house because you got sued, right? So yeah, you definitely have to think this through. This isn't, um, this isn't an easy thing just to do. And that's where people usually go off the rails is they think it is an easy thing to do. Um, and it's not because you're, it's not just people having sex, like a swingers group. And I mean, yeah, they can crop up anywhere as long as they're not, you know, you know, getting in trouble with law enforcement stuff. You can, you know, have 15 people over at your house having sex with each other. And that's a little bit different thing than people beating each other and stuff where there's, there is a chance of injury. You know, what we do is, you know, RACK, risk or consensual kink, or, you know, uh, personal, prick, per, personal responsibility informed consensual kink. Um, but I, I sent myself to the ER dropping a buck knife in my shin, trying to open a DVD. If you've ever watched or read Gerald's Game by Stephen King, you know, this couple goes up to their remote cabin for the weekend to have kinky sexy handcuffs her to the bed and kills over and dies of a heart attack. Shit can happen. You can go get groceries and somebody head on you, right? Because they're looking at their phone instead of looking at the road. Shit can happen. And you want to mitigate things happening. And that's why a lot of people don't have private parties at their house, you know beyond the logistics because they don't want uh, to be responsible, to be liable for something happening. Or well, that's why it's very difficult to get into private parties because people want to know you. Find out, okay, well, you're the kind of person that if you do accidentally hurt yourself, you're going to go just say you did it at home and not, you know, be an asshole and say that you did it at their house and then try to sue them. You know, that kind of thing. Or call the cops or, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Um, so it's fun running a BDSM club. Uh, I'd like to teach. I like people to do things safely. I like to educate. I enjoy that part of it. It's like a second job, you know, um, again, it's labor of love though. I volunteer doing it and, uh, all the, our volunteers volunteer because they love doing it. So anyway, um, so that's what it's like, uh, running a BDSM club. Um, <laughs> if you have more questions, like I said, uh, Timber Dalton at gmail.com Timber with a Y and uh, ask me your questions and I'll do another, uh, uh, podcast about that. So anyway, I think I am going to, uh, wrap this up now and, um, then play with some filter settings before I get it posted. But thanks for listening to my rambles and, uh, let me know what y'all are reading. Uh, give me some uh, book recommendations. Hit me up in the email.
and, and check me out on TikTok. Uh, Timber Dalton is my handle there. And uh, same on um, uh, Twitter, too. So thanks a lot. Talk at you later.